the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Whatever God makes, God can fix. He made the world, he'll fix the world. He made you because you're part of his creation. You weren't an accident. You're not evolving from some ooze in the Nile River. You have been created by God. And he knows this world is a mess because of sin. He knows your life, if you will be humble enough as I could be for my life, that we're sinners, it's messed up. He wants to fix it. Now, the good news is, because he is God, he has done it, he can do it, and he will do it because Jesus is God. He is Lord. So whatever you're going through right now for just a moment, would you own the belief that he is Lord and he has the right and the responsibility to do whatever he wants in your life? And then own that truth every time something happens in your life. And it goes haywire. God is in charge. Satan doesn't win. All right, let's go to the second truth that we can trust. Very important truth. And I hope this might be a blessing to you as it was to me. Besides the fact that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, and whatever he makes, he can fix once it's broken, which would be you and me. Jesus is also life. I won't take as long on this point because we've built up so much on the other. But Jesus is life. Would you follow along in your Bible? All right, look in verse 4 now, and I'm going to read now through verse 13. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Again, we're going through that wonderful interpretation now. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So let's just talk about that one or two verses. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Those of you that have been reading this, you probably already recognize that Genesis begins with, in the beginning God created. Remember that, everybody? Do you also remember that he also said, and let there be what? And there was light. So you'll see how that Genesis and John kind of go together in the sense that it talks about creation, it talks about light. But here's what's so important is now he is taking two words, light and life. While we understand them as being separate, we know that's life and that's light, what we do need to understand is that you have no life without light, okay? So you need to have life and light, that they actually really go together. In fact, when it talks about Jesus Christ as being life, now he says, I want to shine that light to everyone else. Now, I'm going to make that clear in just a moment so that you see the two of them are basically together, the life and light of God. Let's go back to the passage now. In verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I love that because when they use the word light now, we might understand life because we see things that are alive, and if they die, they die, and that's it. But light is kind of interesting. Light is interesting because when you take a dark room and you flip the switch and light comes on, light is more powerful than darkness. You can't take darkness 
and have light, leave the light on and flip a switch for darkness. You have to remove the light in order for light to be gone. So light is more powerful than darkness. And so it says, now in him is life, but he's also light. Now here's why. Because light now is, is active. It does something. It reveals something. All right. So something with light begins to happen. Now verse 5. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, I know that's what my translation says, but if you really had a better translation, it would probably say, it did not overcome it, which I just mentioned. So no matter what the light is, no matter how dark it is, darkness cannot overcome light. Now, back to this. That's important because we all know through Scripture that when you talk about Satan, you talk about his world, you know that we call it the kingdom of darkness. And so sometimes we think it's that argument, spy versus spy, who's more powerful, Satan or God, Satan or God. There's no comparison. God is infinitely, ultimately all-powerful, and so he is all light. And so whatever darkness there is, it might appear that darkness might reign for a time, but I want you to know that light is still more powerful and can never be overcome by darkness. Now, go on, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness. What you're about to see are four responses to the light of Christ. The first one comes from John the Baptist. This is not talking about John the writer of the gospel. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Now, by the way, you, I know what version you have. It says all through him. It's not talking about him, Christ, but all through John the Baptist might believe. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to spend two Sundays just giving you the life of John the Baptist because it says that he was greater than anybody who lived on the earth other than Jesus. That being the case, there must be something to be said about a life that was as great as John the Baptist. Jesus said that. That's a witness. Therefore, I need to listen to what Jesus has to say of why John the Baptist was so great. For right now, it says that all through him might believe. I like that because that means, and I know that some of you might take issues, so listen. When it says, I led someone to the Lord, that meant that that person through me was led to the Lord. Now, most of you, the, the hyper-spiritual ones, are going to say, uh-uh-uh, it's only the Holy Spirit does it, it's only God who does it, only the power of the gospel who does it. I know all that. I, I, I'll die for that truth. That's one I won't even spill blood over. I'll go to death over that. That's true. However, we know in Scripture, in other places, that God still used the mouthpieces of human beings to do that. So it's not unscriptural to say that through me, that person believed. Ultimately, we know that person couldn't have done it apart from the Holy Spirit prompting him, bringing him to salvation, all of that. So we know that salvation is of God, but he believed through the person who spoke to him. So that means all of you can be used to help another person come to know Christ as Savior. So again, through John the Baptist, many believe. Continue. It says here, he was not that light. John wasn't the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the light, the true light, which gives light to every man. So we have the witness of John the Baptist. Now, how did the world respond to this? What did, what did the world do with this? It says, this light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, through Christ, and the world did not know him. Let's stop there for a moment. This is very, very important. The phrase that says that uh, the light has lit every man can be interpreted two ways, and I'm going to tell you the way I think it's more accurate in Scripture. The first way it would be that this light that has appeared to all people is really referring to all those people who would eventually believe in Christ. I don't know that I would take that. I believe that this light that has been lit to people is lit to everybody. That does not necessarily mean that everyone has the full exposure of the light. 
but it does mean that the light of Jesus Christ has been given to everyone. In fact, I come to the, I'm, I'm of the persuasion that there is a God consciousness put inside of every one of us that is connected to our spirit. And I know this is way too heavy for most of you here, but I don't, some of you are going to understand what I'm saying. Body, soul, spirit. Body, soul. Body dies, soul, our being lives on. Our spirit is what connects forever with God, okay? This is life. This is connectivity. Does that mean that everybody goes to heaven? No, it does mean that we have the spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of light within us. Not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of light. Now, what we do with that light will determine how far we're going to go in the coming to faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now, God then takes that light and through his creation, he reveals himself. Now, if you want to, write in your margin Romans chapter 1 and see what the world did when God exposed himself through creation. So you have the light and you have creation and you have the spoken word. So all that is coming in one crescendo. And so now what we do with that will determine whether or not we will then come to faith in Christ. So it's been lit to everybody. So everybody has an opportunity in some measure to come to Christ, depending on what they do and what their choices are. Let's go a little bit further. So the world, they were exposed to that light. It came to every man who came into the world. And then what did they do? Basically, they rejected that. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Oh, let me change that a little bit. Most of the world knew of him through creation. Some of the world knew of him through the spoken word. So they knew of him, but that doesn't mean they intimately knew him. It wasn't the epikinoso. It was more that he existed. And by the way, let's listen to this. The more that the world who does not want Jesus knows of Jesus, the more they want to extinguish Jesus or marginalize Jesus. So it's more than I just don't want to know him or I don't want to receive him. I want to put him... Out. I want to extinguish the light. Now go back to the verse. Follow me along in verse 11 now. It says, And he came to his own, and I believe now his own place, his own people. So he came to the area of Jerusalem, Israel, and his own people did not receive him. Now they knew of him, they were closer to him, but if anybody could have come to him, you would have, think, you would have thought that it would be the, the Jewish people. And of course he spoke to them in the Old Testament, spoke to them in the New Testament later on. And he, and he rejected them. Now, I want to give you those who did respond to the light. I love this passage. Can you follow along in verse 12? It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Would you underline that in your Bible? If, this is your, if you don't have it underlined yet, would you do it? Would you write in your notes, next verse to memorize is John 1.12. Would you write that in your notes? And then you and the Lord work it out in your scripture memory passages and put that in there. But I want you to look at it here. It says, John gave witness of the light. The world didn't want the light. His own people didn't want the light. But verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he right to become the children of God. So but is a wonderful transitional word right there, as received him. Now look up here, if you will, because I want to clear up some salvation evangelistic lingo that we often use. When you go up to someone and you say, have you accepted Christ? A lot of people might say, yes, I have. And you might say, will you accept Christ as your savior? That's pretty good. But in the Bible, it, it's kind of confusing. Will you receive Christ? How do you receive Christ? In fact, the word received in the Greek means to grasp. How do I grasp Christ? Do I grab at the air? Do I do good works? How do I grasp Christ? So you'll find when I present the gospel here, or when I know that there's unsaved people, if I ever use the word receive Christ, I will attach the rest of the verse that says, 
For those of you who have received Christ by believing in Christ. So how do you receive him? You believe in him. So emphasize more the believing part. Thus you get the result of it. You will have received Christ. So how do you receive Christ? You believe in him. So emphasize the believing part more than just the receiving part. Because receiving isn't used in a salvation manner other than trust, depend, or belief, faith. Receiving is something that you have after you've trusted Christ. So how do you receive Christ? You believe in him as your savior. Now go a little bit further here. It says, if you received him, you have the right to become the children of God. You know what that does now? That tells you that not everybody is a child of God. Just because we say we're a child of God doesn't make us a child of God. How many of you are old enough to remember there was this great movement in the world that were called the children of God people? How many remember that? Would you raise your hand? I imagine that if you had an opportunity to sit down and begin to question them, they will probably give you all sorts of answers about salvation. They'll call themselves children of God, but the Bible says the only way you become a child of God is by receiving him through believing in him as the one who died. Let's go back to the verse. It says here, if you believe in him, doesn't say if you behave like him. It doesn't say if you believe and behave like him. It just simply says, if you believe. So once you believe, you will receive him and you will have everlasting life. You'll become a child of his. Now, what does it mean to believe on his name? Well, we know that Jesus' name, he is God, Jehovah Yasha, God who saves. So you have to believe he is God. We have to believe he is the only Savior. I have to believe the integrity, the reputation of who he is, a God who cannot lie. So on the authority of his word, I'm believing on his name. I'm trusting in him, who he claims to be. I'll have everlasting life. Go down to the next verse. Who were born, not of blood. You could write in your margin, who were born again. You can write that because we'll see that in John chapter 3 later on who were born not of blood, so that means no matter what ethnic background you were, you could be born again, because it's not based on your ethnic blood, nor of the will of the flesh, which means, oh, this gets really techy here. It's not so much you willing yourself to be saved, and you come up with your own system here, and so you desire it. It's so much that when you're presented the gospel message, that the message itself is what draws you to Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like you're living and you're eating garbage, and along comes the Holy Spirit and the Word, and He presents to you filet mignon. And all of a sudden, now you desire the filet mignon. It's because He gave you that by seeing truth. How many of you finally recognize falseness and truth, and you went after truth? So the flesh didn't want that. It was God that was doing it for you. So again, it's not based on your own pure choice apart from God's action in this thing. So it's not just a fleshy thing. But it goes on to say in verse 13, nor of the will of man, which means no man could ever set up his own belief system in order for God to accept it. So any man-made religion won't work. It will not do by the will of man. Okay, I don't like God's way. I'm going to do my way. It doesn't really matter. I don't understand God's way. But as long as our way seems to work, and look at all the people who believe. Look at all the people who are giving money. Look at all the things that we've developed here. We've got all these big temples and stuff out here. It's the will of man. God says no matter what man wills, you're not saved that way. You are saved by receiving Christ through believing in Christ, becoming his child, trusting the reputation of who he is, that he is God. Now... We can make this quick. That's what it meant. So what is the timeless principle? All of you are children of God by faith alone in Christ. And so what's the application right now? Very simple. Would you place your faith alone in Christ? Will you believe that timeless truth that you can become a child of God by faith alone in Him? i got to do number three because I'm not preaching next week. Would you give me a minute? Would you Maybe a couple minutes? <clears throat> I guess not. <laughs>
All right. Anyway, the third principle is the one where it says simply that Jesus became flesh. It's only four verses, but it's really, it's really hot stuff. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, His glory, the only begotten of the Father. The truth was, the timeless truth was, the Jews would recognize that because they knew that God had glory, and if they wanted to see the glory of God, they would go to their temple, first tabernacle, then temple, and that's where God dwelt, in a sense, through His glory. Temple now is basically gone. So now what happens? The glory is now said in Scripture, the context here, the glory. Now, if you want to see glory, Jews, and now Greeks, you want to look at Jesus Christ because He is the glory of God. That's the timeless principle. And He dwelt among us. Now, that's incredible because it didn't say He visited us merely. It didn't say He just came by for, for a shot. He was right here. He took on all the form of man. He was 100% God, 100% man, 100% of the time. You might want to write that down. 100% God, 100% man, 100% of the time. He was all of that. He lived among us. Some of you are going to go to camp. You're going to live in tents at camp. That's called tabernacling. You will be it. You will, you will have the wonderful, beautiful, full camp experience. That's what Jesus did. He had the full experience of humanity with us while still being God. Others will just visit. Jesus didn't visit. He took all the thing on himself. What a beautiful thing that he did for us. So what's the timeless principle for us that he did all of that? I really enjoy the fact that I could look at him as grace and truth and I see that all that glory is still wrapped up, that he loves me just the way that I am and that it's found in the truth of God. So the glory of Christ is personified in his actions of showing me grace. I'm saved by grace. I'm kept by grace. I'm disciplined by grace. I serve by grace. It's grace heaped upon grace and it's also truth. If I remove truth, then I probably don't have authentic grace. If I have all truth... And no grace, I could have dead orthodoxy. So I have it all together wrapped up. And so what is the application for my life? It's simply this. That these are truths that I must believe for life. These are truths that I can trust. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is life and light. And I become a child of God by faith alone in Him. And He became flesh. So now His glory, watch this. Glory in the Old Testament temple and tabernacle. Glory in Christ. And those of you that have accepted Christ as Savior, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glories of Christ inside of you. And now it's that witness that you have through His Word that He will never leave you nor forsake you. will never lose your salvation. And now you can take that same glory of Christ and live a glorious life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I love you folks, and I love the Word, and I am so weak at being able to present this because it is so wonderful. But I know that what you heard today was truth. So in your own heart right now, will you allow your mind to tell you what you've just seen in Scripture, that Jesus is God, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word dwelt among us with flesh as God and rose again. He is Lord. And being Lord, He went to the cross, died and rose again to offer you eternal life. As Lord, 
No doubt he brought things into your life, perhaps to bring you to a point where you're ready to trust Christ. Maybe your life is so confused and you're ready to have someone to bring a sense of peace to it. Maybe some of your life is filled with guilt. This Lord has brought you today to hear this message so you would know Jesus is God. He's the only way to heaven. So the Lord was already operating as Lord in your life so you could hear this. Now, will you be like the world and receive him not? Will you be like even his own people that didn't receive him? Or will you be one that's humble to say, I believe you're the Lord. I believe you're my Lord. And right now, I'm going to trust you as my Savior. And those of you who are Christian, which is by far the majority, why do we accept him as Lord in John 1, but we don't want him to be Lord of our driving, of our conversations with our families, with our checkbook, with how we fill out our taxes? Why don't we allow him to be Lord when he permits something to come into our life that might bring out more character or drive us to him? Why do we only want him as Lord of our life when we need him to give us something great, but not at the same time to be Lord when he allows something very difficult and he doesn't take us out of that or take that out of us, but as Lord of our life as a Christian. He says, I'll never leave you and together we'll go through it. And like Jesus, you'll have your resurrection day. And then as light, the light was brought to you, what will you do with it? Will you receive the light and let it dispel the darkness? Would you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? You receive Him by faith alone. Others have. That's the timeless truth. This is not a new thing that just started on the island. In fact, for your knowledge, I say this with all tenderness. Jesus was before all the cults were ever here, before all the other religions, all the other these great people that now tens of thousands want to worship. The distortion that's going on in the Middle East and their belief system. Jesus was before all that. John the Baptist said that Jesus outranked him, even though Jesus was younger than him, because Jesus is the Lord. And then the glory of the Lord. You want to see the glory of the Lord? Look at the life of Christ. Look at it. Read it. Read it for yourself. Get a good commentary. In the weeks to come, we're going to outline in the bulletin for you the books in our library upstairs just on the book of John alone, the Gospel of John. But those of you who know Christ as Savior, you have the light of the glorious Gospel within you. Will you now take the glory of Christ and live that life to bring glory to Him? Would you share that message? Well, okay. God gave you this opportunity to hear the message of salvation, that it's by faith alone. Are you ready to receive Christ by believing in him? So here's what you do. Lord, I'm trusting in you and you alone for the full forgiveness of my sin. I believe you're the Lord who died and rose again. Now, for my friends, if you're somehow saying something like that, that mental transaction, and you'd like me to pray for you, I'd like to do that. I'm not going to have you stand up, walk forward. I will not mention your name in my prayer. And listen, my praying for you won't even get you into God's family. Why? It's not necessary. Once you believed in him, you're in God's family. You're already letting me know that you did that and you'd like for me to just pray for you. And there's something special when other people pray for you. I know I appreciate it. Maybe you'd like to have that. So is there anyone in here today that's called upon the Lord? You now realize that Jesus is God and you're trusting in him as your Savior, God, by faith alone. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We just slip up your hand. Is there anyone?
never done it before. Amen. Amen. All right, for the rest of you in here, for the rest of us that have, let's now let Jesus Christ be the, our life, that our life is hid in Christ. Let him live out his life through us. He's in us. Yes, there's glory in that. But I can't live my life by myself in the flesh. I live by the faith I have in the Son of God, the exchanged life. What a glorious, victorious life that will be. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know this was a lot of meat to put out for today. And I thank you for the sweetness of the people here who wanted to receive it. I pray for those that are still struggling, that Lord, that they know that your God is very patient and long-suffering. And that, Father, that you'll help them along the way. I pray for this one that has accepted you as their Savior by faith alone in you, knowing that you are God, there is no other God but you, and that for he or she or anyone else, if they're dabbling in some other cult or religion or something that's out there, that they would realize that that is darkness, it'll confuse them, they will be beat up, chewed up, and spit out, and if they haven't trusted you, they'll spend eternity separated from you. Now, Father, we love everybody in those religions because they are created in the image of God. It is their damnable heresy that we hate. The darkness that it is. And so, Lord, we thank you for the light that can dispel that. So help us, Father, to grow in grace in the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,